I don't know. So like, there's a there is a microphone set up here, and I'm hooked into it. I have my headphones plugged into it. I can hear myself through my headphones that are plugged into it. So I don't know. I mean, blaming Linux is usually a good plan A. <laughs> it sounds good now. I'm okay. sure it'll be fine. This won't touch anything. Ever. You have a dog. What kind we of dog? We do. We do. Uh, she's a Collie Spaniel mix. Oh, that sounds adorable. Is she fluffy? Uh, she's pretty fluffy. She has black mm. hair, but it's like long and it's not it's not poofy, but it's soft. Mm. Uh, we just gave her a bath yesterday. We we got her a week ago um, from a rescue in Chester County called All Four Paws, the number four. Uh, yeah, it's great. I had a dog growing up, and my wife has never had a dog. So mm. this, is our, this is our first dog together. Mm, that's how I am with my partner. He grew up with dogs, and I don't... Like, I, I like them of a certain size, but I don't know what to do for them. She, uh, she didn't like the idea of a dog, and then started researching it recently uh, in the context of, like, oh, we're getting it for, for me. <laughs> um, but I think I think the dog and her have, have bonded really well. I think they're like best buddies. Aww. Yeah, and it, dogs are good for kids too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our our, uh, our toddler is getting along with with her really well. Yeah. It's like old enough to actually enjoy the dog. Yeah. Um. So the idea I had about recording was, especially in late in these you know summer times when it's hard to schedule recording. Mm-hmm. I was like, why don't we do, like, a mini-sode? Uh, so not record for the whole hour, but just kind of a little light, maybe it ends up being 15 minutes kind of thing. I don't Check know. In. Yeah. Just, like, like not so production-heavy or anything. And maybe, maybe we do something like, what did you learn lately is just the central theme or... You know, something like that. Something that's just, you know, we can cover it in just a quick catch up. I'm learning a lot about dog training. <laughs> Are you doing using a clicker? No, just treats. Mm. Uh, I'm learning how to use Stripe for, for my day job. Yeah, I was wondering how that tied into dog training. <laughs> Every time uh, I click the clicker, the dog gets payment. Yeah. Uh, we've, we use Stripe. Uh, we use Stripe webhooks. We they actually we had a, a production issue uh, with Stripe that uh, was really fantastically handled. It wasn't their fault; it was our fault. Something broke, and they notified us and said, "We've tried to send you lots of events, obviously like things they're still processing. But if you were doing like, as we you know do stuff, you can. Um, I don't know if you're to this point with Stripe, but you can set up webhooks for." Say an invoice was created. I want to call this webhook so that say I can send email the user. an email, yeah, or whatever you want to do when that stuff happens. And they they sent us an email. It's like we we tried this a thousand times and it did not work. Please <laughs> fix it or we will stop trying. And it was just so concise and very clear of this started not working and we're letting you know so that you can fix it. And it was a really nice developer experience. That is pretty nice. Yeah. I had a similar thing recently where uh, I misconfigured an Amazon S3 bucket. Not for, not for work, for a personal project. But um, it, it didn't have, like, um, 
you couldn't get any objects publicly, but you could like list objects, but all the objects were just kind of like nonsense, random strings. It didn't really matter. Um, but I still, mean, were they I like base 64 encoded data or what were they? No, no, no. It was, it was just randomly generated like UUIDs. Um, oh. And then so Amazon emailed me and was like, hey, you have this bucket set to public. You might want to change that. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I those things are like really great to do for users. But as somebody that has uh, worked on a few projects where I've been in charge of like doing that stuff, it's hard to keep track of like, well, one, it's hard to go from developing, uh, you know, code at the unit level all the way up to like, hey, how is this product doing? Uh, and then also, I kind of think of it as like the other axis of like going from like, how do we communicate with users? When do we send emails? What do the emails say? How do they look? Like, there's a lot of things to do to launch a product. Turns and, out. And, and maintain it, <laughs> yeah. Um, but back to Stripe, I'm surprised they don't offer the option to send invoices themselves. They do send receipts. You can you can like set that up. Mm. But, but I, don't, I don't think they send invoices. Oh, I didn't even, I wasn't even sure of that because we have our own, you know, we use SendGrid and have a whole email set up so we would be sending it our own anyway. Yeah. But it is but all kind you of really surprising they like, don't have their own as an option. Yeah. Maybe they do and I just missed it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this maybe is the application of try and do your one thing really well. <laughs> Although, it seems like that's not how the the big evil corps are doing it. They want to do everything, everything that, at least a little bit. Because that is true. if you have a, millions of customers, you just have to have some not very picky people. <laughs> Uh, the other thing I appreciate about Stripe is when you search for their API docs. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I like Google like Stripe API and then I put like Ruby in my search term, uh, all their API docs like have their their JSON HTTP endpoints, but also um, you can like pick like Ruby or JavaScript or whatever library, and it'll show you examples in that library. So instead of like AWS, for example, they have like their um, their API docs. Which are mm. like here are the I don't know what format they're called, but it's like everything's a single endpoint. And you send different like actions. Um, there's like those docs, and then like the actual like Ruby SDK docs are separate. Whereas Stripe, everything's like on one page, and you just like tab through whatever language you're using, and it shows you the uh, I guess canonical example of how to do it, or more, I guess conventional in that language. I like that because then it also kind of presents that there's sort of a unified interface that's then interpreted for different languages. Yeah, that's true. Which I think is a nice, a slick approach. But again, I guess that assumes that you have like clients in multiple languages that are uh, full featured against your API. Mm-hmm. Which also takes work. Yeah, I've run into things I expected to exist in AWS SDK that didn't. That makes me sad. There's been a few instances where the AWS SDK for Go is updated from their published like XML spec. So it pretty much instantly gets any new features that the APIs um, offer. 
But so there's been a few times where, because Terraform uses that that uh, SDK, Terraform mm. will get features before CloudFront or CloudFormation does. Oh, interesting. Because CloudFormation has to like update whatever they have in their back end to support it. Yeah, that's exactly the stuff that makes me sad is the CloudFormation stuff. Mm. What have you been learning? So I recently got promoted slash, well, okay, I manage people now. Nice. I'm still programming. Um, so I'm in a engineering lead role. It's more, it's the same title I had before, but now I officially manage people. Uh, so that's a new thing for me. So I've been reading up a lot and studying about management things, which is a thing I was already doing in preparation for moving toward this kind of role. But that's that's what I've been looking into. Uh, technically, I've been, in the last bit, I've been writing a bunch of stuff in Jest testing, which is the test framework we went to away from Jasmine. And Jest. Jest. Yeah, it's part of the, the everybody loves Facebook's open source stack stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's Jasmine a bit souped up with, it has everything that Jasmine has, like to migrate to Jest, it was naming the files differently, and that was a nice uh, migration path. And then now that I'm using it, I'm pretty appreciative of the mocking system and things like that. I'm kind of liking it, and snapshots are cool. So what you can do in Jest, instead of saying, instead of storing like a big blob of data uh, when you want to say, hey, I expect this thing to look like this big of blob of data. Mm-hmm. You can have Jess save that as a snapshot. Oh, Len has mentioned snapshot testing before, yeah, I think. Yeah, because, yeah, it's, uh, especially since Len does React, it's like Jest is really common for React testing. That's why it's out of the Facebook stack. But it's really nice to be able to, you know, if I've got... If I'm testing against it, it looks like an array of objects, and you know, it's nice not to fill my test file with all that stuff, because then you know the test will still fail if it doesn't match the snapshot, and I can still read the snapshot in a different file, but mm. it just makes it easier to read the tests, right. makes them a bit more clear, so and that's more useful. Have you used uh, VCR in Ruby? I used to, yeah, when I did Ruby. Does it does it feel like the same as VCR does? Because VCR is like good, but it also, uh, can also kind of get in a pain, painful situation where like I guess it's different because you're making external requests, but like sometimes yeah, you need to like update them and they'll be out of date. Then you need to update the test to match them. Yeah, that's what I remember from VCR because it was when you made an external call. VCR would uh, you could record and save it, right? Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, updating snapshots in Jest is really, really simple. You'll fail a test, and there's even a, um, it's just a flag command to update it. So it's really simple to update the snapshot if you're like, oh, no, that's an expected thing to do. Um, But, yeah, uh, it is a bit different in the way that, because, say, for some of the things that I'm mocking, VCR wouldn't apply because I created a mock. So that I'm like testing it completely unit testy. So I mm-hmm. would have to update my mock if the external thing. It's kind of that unit testing gotcha thing where by making it an actual unit test, that means that, you know, the test through path won't go if the does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah, so it's interesting. 
There's it's, a gem called Arspec Snapshot that says it is inspired by Jest. Ah, wow. So I might check that out. Yeah, it might be nice. It'd be nice for like for like view tests to make sure that like um maybe I, maybe I'm actually mistaken, but like there's some instances where like I don't care what it looks like, I just don't want it to change. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's for snapshots, sense. it really yeah. is very relevant to React. So it's like when you're talking about views, yeah, that's, you know, I expect this markup to look like this and you don't want to have a giant blob of markup in your test uh, file. Expect and that's cool. table TR1. Yeah, like who cares? Um, <laughs> or like it has to be like indented perfectly or something. It's like, yeah. I don't care. Um, like the snapshot can keep track of that and it's all good. Can the snapshots like... Uh... Does Jest have support for, like, ignoring white space? No, I don't think so. I think it... I don't know. Maybe it does. I just said that off the top of my head, but maybe it does. Because, yeah, if it was markup, then that is a thing where I don't necessarily care. It's intriguing. That's interesting, though, that you saw a thing that's inspired by... So I think about this, that a lot of things... And one of the things about JavaScript taking over the world is that it's it can it's like rest like I, I said javascript is like restaurants in new york if it's not there already it will be eventually <laughs> and so if it's you know if it's any good like if a restaurant's any good if it's not in new york yet it will be eventually because that's just how it works and it used to be that that was how things worked with javascript is that we'd you know steal ideas from everybody but now other people are stealing ideas from javascript <laughs> which is interesting. Maybe people are doing some good things. Lem was complaining to me using Ruby that, um, like, passing a hash of options around that he needs to explicitly say each key and value, even though they're the same name. Oh, yeah, because that's a nice ES6 thing. Yeah, we, we just assign it and, I yeah, guess, like, just, destructures all the values. Yeah, just object destructuring is a thing you have. It's, it's really nice. It's expressive. <laughs> But yeah, I'm not sure how a mini-sode starts or ends, but... Just finishes right now. I Hang up. I wanted to ask you earlier when you were talking about, like, your uh, people management. Uh, yeah. I was curious if you're, okay, discussing it, what, like, size the company is, what size your team is, how sure. how it's going. Yeah, I mean, it I don't is, think it is interest. It is an interest of mine that I would like to pursue maybe in the future. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you were... Because I know Len is hardcore on the... Also, did you know it's Len's birthday? This day that we're recording. Skype did tell me Skype that. Skype told so me. I'll have to send him So message. I'm going to bother Len later. Um, <laughs> but uh, people management. Yeah, because I know that Len's pretty hardcore on the, the IC individual contributor trying mm-hmm. to stay there. Um, what interests you about people management? Um, I guess, like, I kind of assumed you know, for much of my career that, you know, I was an engineer or IC or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that people that were managers were like completely separate. Um, and I never really like took the time to learn what skills and um, things they need to do to manage people effectively. And how I never really like appreciated either, like how important it is to have a good manager on a team mm, or, or, mm-hmm. or a different like hierarchies. Um, so I've just been interested in it. Uh, you know, within my current company and just, you know, on, on a broader scale, uh, just like the theory behind it. Um, I read Managing Humans this spring, 
which I thought was a really good book. Nice. That's by uh, Michael Michael Lopp, Rands and Repose. That's Rands, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty good. Uh, and then right now I'm reading Nonviolent Communication, uh, which it's not really the same, has anything to do with it, but, but it, there are yeah. some kind of like parallels that I'm, that I'm getting out of it that are kind of cool. Um, you know, I've never, I've never gone through full MBC mm-hmm. training or anything, but I've, I've, I've kind of heard people who've been on both sides of it of they've gone through NBC and then, or like they're either like whole hog NBC or they've gone through NBC and see that it still has problems because nothing's perfect. And they've kind of, <laughs> you know, reached some kind of happy equilibrium. And I kind of want to just do that and not do the whole learning it part. No, yeah, I'm pretty early in the book still. I'm only like in the third or fourth chapter. Um, but so far, what I'm getting out of it is just kind of like recognizing uh, when I'm speaking and when I'm when I'm thinking uh, and when other people are speaking. Uh, I'm just more cognizant of like what they're saying and what they're intending to say. Uh, and I think it's just more of a tool that I will use in my life. I don't I don't plan to, or at least not at this point, I don't plan to like like you said, go whole hog into it. Um, Unrelated, kind of related. What I have been trying to go all into is uh, GTD, getting things done. Mm. Have you ever have you ever tried that? No, I haven't tried it. That's it's kind of I have a a time management book and I haven't read it because I don't have enough of a problem with time management to bother. <laughs> that's I feel like that's like when I have enough of a problem that I need to read 168 hours, which is the book that I have, uh, then then I'll read it. But I've, yeah, anyway, I have philosophies about time management. But get things done. Is that the one where if something takes five minutes, you just do it? it yeah, it's actually two minutes. Two um, minutes. Oh, right, so sorry, it's two minutes. Because, yeah, it's five minutes would be too long. There's that's this too, website that I really like. It's called uh, hamburg.no slash gtd. What's Hamburg? It's just somebody's web, personal website, H-A-M-B-E-R-G dot N-O. But if you, if you search for, like, GTD example or, or uh, mm. overview, it's, like, one of the first results. Um so I've just read that. I don't have like, any of the books or official things. I just read this one one blog post over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. But essentially, you have an inbox, and that mm-hmm. is a low-friction way to record tasks. So whenever you think of something you need to do later or whatever you're thinking of, you just put it in the inbox, and that's a, you, it's like a low-friction just dumping your brain out into somewhere, a phone, an app, a piece of paper. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Then when you then you set time, or, or I just do it like morning and night when I'm like laying in bed, but you like process the inbox. Um, so the rule is if anything in the inbox that you're – processing takes less than two minutes you just do it you can't move it out of the inbox and you process the inbox um top to bottom you can't like sort it by some kind of like priority or anything then there's a next actions list or just like next list um so you move things from your inbox to next if if they're more than two minutes and those are the things you should do next i have like five next lists which are Hmm. different contexts so i have like next which is things i can do anywhere like from my phone uh, then I have like next at computer, uh, next at work when I'm when I'm working when I give my time to my my employer. Um, I have like next at home, which is anything I need to do around the house. I need to physically be here to do. Mm-hmm. And then I have next at uh, errands uh, if I have to go drive somewhere to do something. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of like pull those together when I do them. Uh, the, that's pretty much what I do so far, and. It's working really well for the, for the few weeks I've been trying to be really uh, 
diligent about it. It also helped that I switched from Wonderless to iOS Reminders, so I have kind of this like, clean slate of it's not like where our groceries and you know me me and my my partner have like twenty different lists for different things around the house. Um, so it, it, it was good to have like a clean slate for that. Uh, but there's like a waiting list that you're supposed to have. If you assign something to somebody else, delegate it, uh, then you put it in the waiting list. Um, there, oh, and the, the other thing that I've been trying that's been working well uh, is they, they recommend you have projects. Huh. So, um, for instance, we have like guests coming over next month. So I have this project of like guests guest room right so i have like three or four different things i need to do and essentially when whenever you uh i guess it's like once a week they recommend it or something but you should make sure you always have at least one thing in a next list to do related to a project Um, or that's how your projects die yes (laughs) Mm. um so my next thing is clean out this one room that we haven't cleaned out yet um, That's interesting. I guess as my productivity philosophy about this stuff, I did try bullet journaling for a little bit. Um, but I just, I don't want to put much effort into doing things. I just do them. And then, or I don't. And if I don't, <laughs> then I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay with that too. But sometimes like house projects, like it affects other people. If I, if I leave something hanging for a long time, um, or, or same thing with work, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess I don't. I just try not to do that. <laughs> um, and I then also, also <laughs> I, I have a, like limited free time, so being able to like visualize all the things I'm I want to do and being able to like pick from those lists visually is really helpful for me instead of just like. You know, I mean, I if I have to, I use my calendar. That's really what it is. Yeah, calendar and be I, like. I'm cooking for these three hours. I'm, oh, yeah, well. You know, like, I this is dedicated time to work on this. And I, calendar I used, wins. I used to do that with, like, Wonderlist. I would put, like, due dates on things, and then that would be, like, my currently working on is whatever has a due date of, like, today or tomorrow. Um, but I find that I would just kind of, like, keep moving them around the calendar. Uh, mm. I guess it's okay, but I, I, would just, I would just endlessly push things back. But if I have, like, a, a next list... And I have something at the top of it, and it's been there for you know. Every time I look at the list, I know I like I need to do it. It's, it's kind of getting old. Whatever, yeah. it's working for me. Yeah, good. Um, I always have more ambition than than time in the day too, which is frustrating. If days mm. were like fifty hours, that would be cool. Or what if we worked less? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> um. Cue the uh, the news article from early 1900s that technology is going to replace labor and we're only going to work four-hour weeks when we're... By, like, 1960. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, I guess I, I also... Maybe this is... I don't know. Maybe this is depressing, but I, I kind of adjust my... I think about this a lot with sports is that I adjust my expectations of myself that, like... How much am I willing to train? And yeah. how much, like, you know, for what output? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm five foot two. There's certain things that are just never going to be, you know, really great for me. Um, including, like, I'm, you know, not built to be a super duper fast cyclist. And, 
like, and that's fine. <laughs> like, I can adjust to that reality, and I can do things that I find enjoyable. Um, I don't know. Maybe people think that that's. I guess, like, I think a younger me might think that that's sad. That it's like, oh no, you're like not reaching for the stars. But you don't have to do that with everything. Mm. Like, and I think that that's a a key thing that I kind of developed an attitude about. That there's things that I want to care about, and there's things that I want to enjoy, uh, but not, you know. I'm not going to compete at the level that some of my friends compete at. And that's okay. Yeah. I had a similar thing at my gym where I wanted to get like really into weightlifting, but Oh yeah. After uh, after getting a uh, getting a coach for like 2 months, it was very obvious that I was it was going to take a very very long time and a lot of not not just like long time like lifespan time, like it would probably take like 5 to 10 years to be like really good at it. But also, like, I would need to train much more than I want to right now. Yeah, it's it would have to be a core part of your life, and that's great for people who want to do that. I've, I've talked to people, or mostly my partner, about that because he's like, please don't. <laughs> please don't get that serious about, you know, bodybuilding or anything because those people can be really annoying. <laughs> you, like, can't go out to eat anymore because you have to stay home and eat brown rice and boiled tofu or whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah. What do you have coming up soon? Well, we, oh, you were asking about people management and I have a, a new member joining my team. So I manage a team of two going on three and, uh, so that's why I'm still in a, a, I, I'm in a hybrid management engineering role. So especially at the size of the company, we are a, we will be a mighty eight people. It is not a size where I, we really, as a team, want to take someone off of engineering to do mm-hmm. dedicated management. Uh, we still want to be, we want to do just enough management so that we can still remain productive and have everybody be, you know, uh, reasonably happy. Uh, but we still need to produce and find that magical product market fit that's for startups. Right. But we're working on some really neat features, and so it's uh, it's one of those things that one of my goals was that, because in a, being in a startup, theoretically, and this is my first startup where I've stayed this long, uh, I passed a year back in June, and that, Theoretically, it's a good opportunity because you're in a growing company to take on new responsibilities that are unfamiliar to you. So for me, that's stepping into a people management role. And that's one of the things I wanted to get out of this experience. Um, like other people might say, you know, they want to, they're a you know, front-end developer and they want to do some UX or they, you know what I mean? It's kind of, uh, it's an opportunity because there's a smaller number of people so everybody needs to chip in that you can kind of take on something that you didn't in a dedicated uh, engineering role. And uh, so, yeah, so that's why I, that's why I, I went for that uh, and why I'm taking it on. And, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it because I'll get to build this skill set. And I also still, there's also still plenty of interesting engineering work to do. Nice. But 
But yeah, I mean, when you mentioned that you were considering people management, I think one of the things, so this is also, I, I think I even phrase it that way, is that I was, you know, promoted because I, I find this so annoying is that, because I've, I've been lurking in manager spaces and um, been in tech lead spaces for a little over a year now. And the, the there's this really common thing that all the people who are already in engineering management say, is they love to say, management isn't a promotion, it's a role change. And yet, every time someone gets a management role, they say, I got promoted or we're promoting you. And that's always the language that's used. And it, it just pisses me off that there's this weird double standard where people say, or as I'm not a double standard, it's hypocritical, where they say one thing and then do the exact thing that they said that they don't do. Yeah. Um, it, just, it feels like a pile of bullshit. <laughs> I think, the, I think the biggest, yeah, it has to be a promotion or it's definitely like. If there's a change, but like they always. You, you become responsible for other people instead of just yourself at that point, And that's, that's a yeah. big difference. And I, I, yeah. And I think that that's why, but then, but then with this hypocritical thing that they do is they, because what they really want is like the end outcome that they're looking for, which I think is a good thing to aim for is that they want the individual contributor track and the management tracks to be of equal strength. So that's to say that in many organizations, you end up in management because you weren't respected as an individual contributor or the only way to make more money is to go into management. And that's understandable because as you get older and more experienced, you're trying to make more money and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And so... I get the end goal that they're trying to do, but it just still annoys the shit out of me that they do it, that they're trying to do it through a very hypocritical action. Right. I mean, if you're really trying to make the, like, it's like, it's like they're saying all this with words and then really, if they really meant it, like pay your engineers more. <laughs> like if you really want people to stay in the individual career track, pay them or, you know, I don't know. Nope, I, I just came up with pay them or give them less hours, which is the same as paying them more. Uh, it's just phrased in a different way. Like give people a four-hour work week. Did you did you hear that uh, or read about Wildbit has a four-day work week now? Is that perpetual or is that like a summer thing? I don't know if it's just for the summer, but they have it on their blog, and I was reading about it because I actually stumbled upon it when I when I was moving into this role I was doing some exercises about role definition because because we're a startup we haven't like we don't have like really job descriptions we just kind of do stuff like that's kind of how it's gone I mean we're we have job descriptions for people we're trying to hire but then once they're on the team it's more like we're a group of people working toward a common goal than really like anyone whose resume fit a particular list of bullet points Right. Which is how I, I want it to be. It's like, like, you know, things are built by people, not by resources. <laughs> um, so, uh, wait, what was I saying before that? I don't remember. Damn it. I got on my resources rant and I forgot what I was saying. Wildbit, four-day work week. Wildbit has a four-day work week because they had this nice blog post about role definition. So that's how I stumbled on it because they, as part of planning to do the four-day work week, they, well, I don't know if they actually did it, but whatever, they blogged about it, that they are going through a process of being very clear. I mean, you know, people don't necessarily do what they blog about, whatever. Um, 
people don't necessarily do or or yeah, people are defining their roles clearly and explicitly and what is expected of them and how they spend their time so that it's very clear that they're getting their work done during the four days that they choose to work, which don't have to be the same four days, by the way. Um, because, say, for customer support, you can't have everybody take Friday off, so they have a, a rotating uh, okay. uh, rotating four, uh, four days for that kind of team. But, say, like an engineering team might want to choose the the four days if they they find benefit in that. But even then, you'll still have three days of overlap with most people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I find that interesting. I mean, I'm always in favor of working less. Yeah, I think taking people out of like out of a role for a day a week forces other people to figure out what has support that role if they need to. Yeah, and then the predicate of that is is also really helpful when that person has defined what their role is. <laughs> that's that's very helpful. Did you read the uh, Phoenix Project? Mm-mm. No, I think you recommended it, though. I... It was a, it was essentially like a novel about like a DevOps transformation in a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently there's there's this employee Brent. So there's this like large company has a couple hundred or thousand employees. I don't know, and like a large engineering organization. But for every single project, uh, Brent is involved, and a large part part of the book is talking about how Brent needs to be removed from situations, not because he's doing a bad job, but because. Uh, if he's not removed, then people won't figure out how to do things for themselves. Mm, Brent. Brent. <laughs> there was a lot of different personas in that book, and that was that was that one. How long is that book? Maybe I should just put that on my to-do list. I listened to it on Audible. Uh, oh. So whenever I worked out, I just put it on or when I was driving. And it was. I like audiobooks a lot. I don't read a lot of um, fiction or... Whatever I, I like technical books, and there's not that many technical books that are uh, audiobooks. Mm. So you have to find a technical parable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like Managing Humans would be a good audio audiobook, but I don't think it is. Um, Maybe you could we could record it. I've been trying to get my partner to get into voice acting or voice reading. Oh, really? Whatever it's called. There's like there's a whole process for it. Like how do you I mean how do you become an audiobook reader? Like it's not it's not always the author. It's not generally the author. To be honest cuz an author, someone who's ri- good at writing books isn't necessarily good at reading something aloud for like 8 hours. Yeah. Um in an expressive and interesting way. And so yeah, he's looked into that and I'm I'm like that's cuz that's like a cool side hustle. Yeah. And he has a really good reading voice. So, I don't know. Like, what's your, what's your side hobby? Oh, I'm, you know, I read audiobooks. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm an audiobook recording artist. It's just, that's interesting. I do like when the author records their own uh, audiobook, but, but I do appreciate sometimes, it, too, when, it, when, it's yeah. like, when it's a professional. Yeah, exactly. It's like sometimes it's not good <laughs> that the author recorded their own. There's like a little extra bond there if it's their content, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I get that. Cool. Shall we wrap this up? Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to ask what you're doing coming up, you, but, uh, but I already asked you that. So if you uh, if you want to follow us on the internet, you go to turing.cool, and there's links to other stuff there. Yeah. Like 
our Twitter, which is at Turing Cool. Do we and link to our individual Twitters from the website or only on the show notes? Actually, I don't even know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and you can probably find us on the internet if you're interested. I don't usually oh, do yeah, the our, outro. Our, our, names, <laughs> our names under the logo link to, uh, to our Twitter. Yeah. Didn't you build the website? I did. I, that was a long time ago. A long ago. time ago. But yeah, um, good mini-soding with you, Justin. Yeah, I'm proud that I kept my CrossFit talk to a very minimum, and I did not mention the game I'm playing right now. So, Except just now. Maybe. Yes, I had to. Use mention distinction. But, all right, <laughs> I'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye.